Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of God. Uh, did you listen back to last week's episode or catch the midweek videos? I haven't seen the midweek videos. I did watch. I did listen to last week's episode. Uh, so what I reckon we should do is we should probably create a drinking game out of the word phenomenal. All oh, right. I thought I thought we were going to create a drinking game out of uh, a little film. Every time I say it's a it's a little film by the name <laughs> of I think I said it before every single film I mentioned. <laughs> I think if we were to take a shot for every time either of us said the word phenomenal, we'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> but of course such a drinking game would be highly irresponsible and we do not endorse such things. But if you want nerdy cinematic ramblings, then you've come to the right place. Thanks for downloading Good Movie Monday. This is the weekly podcast produced by FakeShemp.net. My name is Glenn Cochran. I'm the doofus who shepherds you through this boggy marsh. And the simple-minded dimwit beside me is Ben Helwig. Howdy, partner. How's things? They're uh, phenomenal, Glenn. (laughs) Well, cheers to everybody for listening. Howdy to you all. It's always a pleasure to be talking with you. And the reason I'm using words like doofus and dimwit is because we have the long-awaited Bonehead episode for you today. That's right. Three guys from the Bonehead Weekly will be here to chat about themselves and movies in general. And that's going to be heaps of fun. Now, we may as well jump straight into things before we get onto all of that. We'll have a quick look at some movie stuff that's been happening during the week. Starting with the uh, the sad passing of John Saxon. He actually passed away merely hours after we recorded our last episode. So we were kind of gutted that we didn't have a chance to pay our respects in a timely fashion. That was a bit of a blow, hey Ben? Yeah, definitely. I mean it was a I was shocked when I when I saw the the, the announcement go out on I think on Instagram uh, that yeah. he had passed and I just I couldn't believe it. I mean, he passed away at the age of eighty three years old, which is which is a good innings, you know, you would say to anybody that sort of got got that far in life but uh, the fact that it came as a shock is a real testament to his legacy I guess yeah I mean I I just remember watching him a a couple of years ago in uh, in uh, like in a couple of documentaries and he seemed incredibly robust and and healthy and like not someone who's kind of like on the precipice or anything you know that's why I was completely caught, caught you know by surprise yeah absolutely I mean this guy had a really long and illustrious career that saw him grace all of the genres really from westerns like the unforgiven and the plunderers and posse from hell one dollar too many even Joe Kidd with um Clint Eastwood and then you know to becoming a horror icon in movies like Queen of Blood and The Girl Who Knew Too Much and and of course those fan favorites Tenebrae, Blood Beach, Black Christmas, Nightmare on Elm Street I mean wow what a career yeah, he even did a. I think he even did a black exploitation movie in the glove. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon Which you're is right. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't be movie geeks if we left out titles like Enter the Dragon and Mitchell and uh, <clears throat> dare I say Beverly Hills Cop Three. Like I remember, like I would, Enter the Dragon. I think would have been the first thing I ever saw him in, and I remember thinking he was like he was the coolest. 
he was the coolest dude there. Like, you know, like Jim Brown is, is uh, sorry, Jim Kelly is pretty cool and Bruce Lee, of course. But for me, it was always, it was always all about Roper. Like he played golf and then he uh, <laughs> kicked the crap out of some mafia hoods, you know, and then he, and then he, he chose correctly when he was, when he's picking out all the prostitutes he's going to sleep with or the prostitutes. Yep. He's like, I'm going to take the madam. You're like, yes, yes. Take the one in charge. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about that. It's such a good film, such a good film, and he is so good in it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, to, and the fact that it was that he knew absolutely nothing about martial arts at the time, like that was kind of like yeah. the uh, that was the regular thing for anyone in martial arts films back in those days that yeah. weren't Asian. Well, like, but yeah, like Jim, but Jim Kelly and and Bruce Lee were both, you know, they were both kind of experts, and everyone else, Bolo Young, and uh, I can never remember the guy's name who played O'Hara, uh, and the and the the main bad guy and stuff. And even like the, the girl who would go on to play, I'm pretty sure the, the girl who plays Bruce Lee's sister is the one who goes on to play sister street fighter. No, I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I could be getting to my, myself into a lot of trouble by saying that. Fact check, fact check. But, uh, quick to the internet. Um, but, uh, but so everyone else, but he, and he, he just like, you know, and he, he said in, in, in a couple of interviews that, you know, he just told Bruce Lee, like Bruce Lee tried to give him tips and stuff. And he's like, I'm just going to do this uh, like this. What do you reckon? <laughs> and Bruce Lee's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, that is really sad news anyway. Um, he was an absolute legend with a legacy, I guess, that I guess has equal magnitude, let's say. Well, just to recap on some news that we spoke about last week. Um, we talked about Tenet and how it was uh, reported to be delayed indefinitely with the studio also countering that by saying that news of its release would be imminent. I guess when they said imminent, they meant like within a couple of days, we're going to announce what we're doing. So like, talk about stringing people along. So just real quick, plan for Tenet is it's going to drop theatrically in 70 countries on August 26th, but not in the USA until September 2nd. Uh, and even then only in selected cinemas. So there's the update on that. I'm sick and tired of talking about fucking Tenet. So. I think I think it's because they heard me say I was completely ambivalent to its release. <laughs> That's right. And they went, well, fuck you. Well, it's because they were throwing out words like indefinitely and imminent, and then you go ambivalent, and they're like, Jesus, <laughs> like this guy's, you know, we've got, to, we've got to appease this one. How's this for some news? Dave Franco has signed on to star as Vanilla Ice in an upcoming biopic, which is eerie because we only referenced Vanilla Ice on last week's show. It's a shame, like, people can't see my face right now, but it is lit up. <laughs> How often do we get to reference Vanilla Ice? And now two weeks in a row. And I just I can't think of anyone better to play him. Like, other than, like, a young Jim Carrey, I, I can't <laughs> think of anyone better than Dave Franco to play Vanilla Ice in a but biopic. But that's because, that's because we've seen Jim Carrey do it on In Living Colour. In In Living Colour, yeah. And, you know, and Dave Franco, like... <laughs> No one plays. No one plays special needs like Dave Franco. <laughs> well, the news has been rumored for quite a while in Hollywood, but Franco confirmed it last week in an interview with the Insider. And how's this for a brief synopsis that they've put out? <laughs> From a high school dropout selling cars in Dallas to having the first hip hop single to top the Billboard charts with Ice Ice Baby, a young Vanilla Ice struggles with stardom, extortion attempts, and selling out as he makes music history. I can't wait to see who they've got to play the VIP crew and uh, who's who's going to play his uh, his bitterest rival, MC Hammer, who's oh. got to make an appearance, surely, and who's going to play Madonna because he was in like Madonna's, I think he was in Madonna's sex book. Oh, my God. Well, you know, like 
he's isn't Franco too old to be playing Vanilla Ice at that part in in that stage of his career? No, no, they can just uh, they can just uh, CGI him. Like you're a fan of that? Yeah, they can just put a you know young. (laughs) They can just retcon him, like young him up. Yeah, just digitize those train tracks on the side of his head. All he needs is like it's just abs. Like I mean, you know, (laughs) that's all he needs. Just some abs and 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 the and an affinity for tracksuits. It sounds a lot like the Eminem film, I must say. And if, if Eminem's film was eight mile, let's call this one three and a half miles. Maybe. Three and a half miles. Oh, it'd be amazing. Well, Dave Franco actually said that this one, that he anticipates it to have a similar feel and aesthetic to the disaster artist. And that made me think perhaps his brother James might be directing this one and they've just not let on. Right. Well, I hope it's like, I mean, like I like the disaster artist and stuff, but that feels a bit more like a mockumentary. Like, like everyone's kind of shocked and what's happening well, in the in the disaster artist? I want this to be played like a hundred percent serious. Well, I think it would be. I mean, I I think it's also the fact that um, James Franco's been cancelled, so they don't want to put his name on the poster yet. Right. You know, but if he's directing this, then I'm really excited because he's a he's a, he's a phenomenal director. He's a talent. And well, I kind of want to talk about some more, you know, news and things like that, but there's other stuff we've got to get to. So let's just let Guillermo discuss the movie news a bit later on. But Ben, we've got the Bonehead guys coming up. So in a lame attempt to create a segue, I thought we could talk about Bonehead movies. Lovely. I love Bonehead movies. I'm all about Bonehead movies. I consider myself to be a Bonehead. Well, this is the thing. I'm finding it hard to define. So when I say Bonehead movies, I kind of mean those stoner buddy movies but not necessarily stoner movies either. The ones like Bill and Ted and you know Wayne's World, that kind of thing. Beavis, Beavis and Butthead, Do America, that kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely, yes. So however you define them, um, let's talk about them. Okay, so the obvious one would be Bill and Ted, Wayne's World and Dumb and Dumber coming second and third. Are you a fan of this genre in general? Yes, indeed. Incredibly. Like I've seen, I like to think I've seen all the... Uh... Except for the ladies' man, I've seen all the SNL movies <laughs> at the cinema, and no one makes better bonehead movies than the uh, L- SNL alum. I think I saw the ladies' man at the cinema. Oh, oh wow! What, a, what an era that was. <laughs> well, yeah, that was like Don, and I think they just made fun of Don Meadows for being on SNL forever, and then finally he gets uh, his own movie, and it's the ladies' man, and it doesn't. Uh... You mean Tim Meadows? Tim Meadows, sorry, yeah, Tim Meadows. That's because he did uh, he did that Don character, Don King. Don King, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I've got the stand. I've got the little like video store desktop standing in the other room. Oh my goodness! Do you remember night. the scene in that movie when the old um, the old man or lady calls in to talk about her sex life and he says, "Yeah, well, that's disgusting." <laughs> 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 One of the best SNL moments ever. <laughs> So what would be your bone what would be your go-to bonehead movie? Uh probably a film called The Stone Age. Have you ever heard yeah, of that? Yeah, I have indeed. Uh wow. It is it is an all-time favorite of mine. Uh I remember I watched it on video uh VHS was the the first one. So I don't know if it got a theatrical release in in Australia or not, but uh I, me- I remember it starred it starred the girl uh, who's on the cover? Her name is Renee. Renee something or another, but I remember she was the girl in Showdown in Little Tokyo, who yeah. is having sex with the, like the main bad guy, 
and while he's having sex with her, he cuts her head off. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like what a what a role. Like, like this is like a, so, such an unfortunate like like she's giving everything to this role, and then they just they cut her head off. And then she appeared in the Stone Age, and that's that's why I I, uh, I watched it. And it's it is by far my favorite kind of stone. And it, I mean, they are stoners, but it, like so many. So many kind of cool things came out of that film. And it's directed yeah, sure. by the guy who would then, his very next film is the Jerky Boys film. Right. The Jerky Boys movie. Yeah, I remember that. So he's had, like, and they're the only two films he's directed. So it's two classic kind of idiot <laughs> yep. kind of movies. Uh, For sure. You know, back to back. Well, I'm a fan of um, Dude, Where's My Car? I do, I do quite like Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah, I remember when it came out, right? Obviously, everybody shit on it because I don't think anyone comprehended it. I don't think anyone got the joke, you know? Or if they got the joke, they didn't appreciate it. But I think now that we've had Harold and Kumar, which was the same director, I think the appreciation for that type of lunacy has sort of, you know, grown. And you go back to Dude, Where's My Car? And it is absolutely hilarious. Like, yeah. it is funny. Like that tattoo scene... <laughs> Turning around, <laughs> yeah. dude. What does mine say, dude? What does mine say? Awesome. What does mine say, dude? What does mine say? <laughs> like it is just like you could put that on a loop and put that on a loop in the video store and just be cracking up, laughing for hours. I wish I had and, done that. Or when they go through the the drive through and the uh, the old lady's like, <laughs> and then <laughs> it just. <laughs> well, you can't say that film didn't have an impact because nearly everybody on earth went through drive through saying and then and, and, then, yeah. and, and would just put that into regular conversation. Yeah, like totally. It, it was a defining <laughs> film, even though at the time I remember like it got so much flack. It got so yeah. much flack as being oh. like totally stupid. But it was, I mean, it, I put it up there with any of the kind of Farrelly Brothers yeah. comedies. I think it was mainly, it was just people didn't really like Ashton Kutcher. Um, what are some other ones? I'm thinking um, there was one that I adored in the 90s that I haven't seen in a long time. It was called Meet the Deedles. Oh, uh, yeah. It had a I'm, very I'm... young Paul Walker in it. Yeah, and they've got like blue hair or something on the... Is that on the... Got blue waves as hair. As like, hair, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they were surfer dudes. I've never seen it, but I remember seeing the video around all the time. Look, it just sort of came to my mind then because I haven't really done any any looking into it or research to... What I recall from it, there were some very, very big names in it, and I wish I could remember. Perhaps Dennis Hopper, someone of right. that caliber, is in it. Um, once again, to the Google. To the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but Meet the Deedles, I remember it being great, and it's just one that hasn't had any kind of physical release since VHS. So yeah, right. Just haven't been able to get hold of it. Do you? Um, would you class Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald as a? Look, no, I wouldn't. Bonehead. But that is a bloody great film. It's a great film. I, I would, I would class it as as one because it is. I mean, they're not really they're not going on a road trip, but they're they're just a bit older than you would normally well, kind of put into the. Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald is your like middle age bonehead, isn't he? Like he totally is. He's the intellectual bonehead. Yeah. Oh God, I love Norm. Well, he has officially been cancelled now. So. Oh, has he? There's, I didn't know. Yeah, there's a great video you want to watch him on the View. You know that terrible show with Whoopi Goldberg and whatnot. Um, where they're trying to tell him to stop saying what he's saying because he's about to ruin his own career and he just tramples all over it. He does not yeah. give a shit. I love but the man. Always... Net- Netflix cancelled his show because of it, you know? Right. Anyway, well, let's reel off a few more before we move on. I'd say Jay and Silent Bob are fairly heavyweights when it comes to the bonehead genre. Not a huge fan. 
Harold uh, Kumar, Encino Man. I guess, yeah. Encino Man kind of fits into that category. What about uh, something like Dazed and Confused? Not, I don't yeah, know. That's, that, I mean, that's a stoner movie. It's sort of, we're breaking away from the, 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 the buddy kind of aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the thing about Dirty Work is, you know, they're not stoners, but people who watch it are usually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. You know, it's, and what about um, How High? I mean, that's a, definitely a stoner film. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Jeez, uh, yeah, well, I guess so. What about, do you remember there's a movie, um, I think one of Penelope Spheris' early ones called Dudes. The Dudes, yeah, which I think played at Myth. Oh, really? Uh, I think it was last year or the year before. Oh, because she passed away, so they would have done a retrospect. I think they did a, they did a, ret- a retrospective, yeah. And that hasn't, I think that's only just recently come out on uh, on an, on. Blu-ray or something like that because it hadn't been seen for a while. It it kind right. of disappeared. Wow. Well, anyway, uh, I want to talk about this for a whole lot longer, so we might add this to the list of things to come back to because there's so much more to to flesh through. But um, we've got the Bonehead guys coming up. But first, let's throw to Jarrett, whose job of rifling through new releases is getting harder and harder every week. Um, but I think he's he's onto some good stuff this week, and um, we'll be back shortly. Uh, uh, do you mind if I just can I go to the toilet while this is... Is that something that... Can I just... <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's, like, it's a bit of an emergency. <laughs> All right. Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. It's a great week for home entertainment this week, as there are a ton of releases hitting home entertainment. That's correct. A ton of releases hitting both DVD and Blu-ray and titles new and old. So let's kick off with Shock. They've got a hectic amount of John Wayne Westerns hitting disc. These are all taken from the Paramount catalogue, and they include Hatari, The High and the Mighty, Hondo, Island in the Sky, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. The last one is in fact going to hit Blu-ray as well. Then there's more Jerry Lewis that's been taken from the Paramount catalogue and being released to DVD, and two titles in fact being released to Blu-ray also. Those titles include Cinderfella, Money From Home, Rockabye Baby, and Caddy. It's Money From Home and Rockabye Baby that will also be appearing on Blu-ray. Then Umbrella have a flood of releases, and they're all great releases coming out from Umbrella this week. We've got Art of Self-Defense, which was one of my favorite films of last year. It stars Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots, who you may remember actually acted opposite one another in Vivarium that came out on Home Entertainment about a month ago. This is a pitch-black comedy that deals with toxic masculinity, and it is both hilarious and cringeworthy. I thoroughly recommend it. Then there's Blood Vessel, the... uh, I don't want to spoil too much about this movie, but essentially it's an Australian horror film set on the high seas during World War II, uh, and it's got some fantastic creature effects. We played it at Monster Fest all the way across Australia last year, and now it's hitting home entertainment loaded with special features, including two audio commentary tracks. So that's really something. Then Clue, that 1985 whodunit comedy with uh, Tim Curry, amongst others, is hitting home entertainment. It's been out on DVD before locally, but it's making its Blu-ray debut locally this time around, and it's also being reissued on DVD. Then there's Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street 2's Mark Patton. This is a terrific documentary that played the Melbourne Queer Film Festival uh, earlier this year, and I had an opportunity to check it out, and I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a genuinely insightful and an emotional documentary um, told by Mark. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. Then the last release that's coming out from Umbrella this week is VHS. Now this is directed by Jack Henry Robbins. He's the spawn of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. This is a completely bizarro comedy that's shot entirely on VHS and you definitely need to see it. 
Anyway, that's it for me this week. Until next time, stay physical. You will all know the Bonehead Weekly because I reference it every week on the show. But if you're a newcomer, then let me give you the basic rundown. Bonehead Weekly is a podcast hosted by three mates in Kentucky. And while the usual show takes place on a sofa in a basement, the current MO, much like ours, is by way of Zoom conference call. They've recently joined us here at Good Movie Monday with their own fun size segment. And right now they're waiting in the wings for me to introduce them to you all. Typically, this is where I would throw to them. But these aren't three regular guys. They're three boneheads. And they're fucking smart asses, and they hang shit on Australia, so screw them. Let's keep them waiting. Instead, let's throw to Scarefest. This Friday, we're joined on Scarefest television by Heather Dobson, author of Memoirs of a Future Ghost. We will be talking ghost hunting, obituaries, and meeting the afterlife head on. Join us live at 9 p.m. Eastern at scarefestradio.com or on Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest. All right, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. Without further ado, it's time for a song. We'll catch you on the other side. And how is that for short and sweet? That song was called Bonehead by Adult Dude. And speaking of adult dudes, here's three boneheads for you. Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas. Guys, it's about time you're on the show. How the hell are you? So which wings were we waiting in? The one with Stephen Wright or the Paul McCartney one? Oh. They're going to try and derail this, but I'm not going to I'm sorry. I'm ashamed. Before we go any further, let's get one thing out of the way. Aussies do not drink Fosters. That was a Joe Lewis I know you drink kangaroo blood, and that's it. Yeah, basically. I'm an, and it's well known that I'm an idiot, so it, would anyone really listen to me? <laughs> it's amazing that um, we've got this reputation for Fosters. It's just because of marketing in the States, man. That's all there is. I was about to say, I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked that you're accusing American marketing <laughs> of not being 100% honest all the time.
I actually got told off by an Australian at Salt Lake City, Utah once, and he wasn't trying. <laughs> this is a true story. I'll make it <laughs> real short. And he actually looked at me. He goes, you know, honestly, I know more about your country than most of you fucking Americans do. <laughs> we take this shit seriously. And he said it really nice, and he had your accent, so it was really hard to get pissed at him. It wasn't until later I was thinking, what a douche. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Uh, so, guys, Bonehead, how did that come about? Oh, the the title Bonehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we never actually discussed it, did we, guys? It was it was always Bonehead because the chat. Chad, if Chad wants to start about it, college. in in college, um, one of the things I was allowed to do, um, my teacher let me produce my own comedy show <laughs> that aired on the campus. <laughs> there was training orders, and I called it Bonehead uh, Bonehead te- Television because uh, you know just from a background, my my I had a little niece at the time. She I still do, but she was four years old at the time. And I would call her snot face. Hold on. Let me make it creepy. Now she's all grown up. So anyway, there we go. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, sorry. That's a snot face. I would call her stink face and she'd go, I love you too, Uncle Bonehead. So that's why I called it Bonehead TV. And then, you know, me and Joe kind of stuck with that title. And then James entered our lives again, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then uh, this came along and we just said, it's Bonehead. Yeah. Honestly, what the... The pain in the ass was was not the bonehead part. It was the second part because we started out as bonehead human. We wanted to just call it bonehead, and you can't because there's so much shit called bonehead. Yeah, every Twitter handle, every everything that we went after, it constantly kept saying, no, taken, taken, taken. We thought about bonehead radio because it was going to be a podcast. So it was going to be audio. It's yep. taken. And so, yeah, Joe's right. We we couldn't. Everybody wants to be a bonehead. Yeah, it does. Oh, well, yeah, and uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, we were no, uh, already so we, doing we, it. We were bone. <laughs> Fuck you, Chad. <laughs> we were already doing it weekly. And then I've got to tell a story. So we switched it, what, a year into it, boys? It went from Bonehead Humor to Bonehead mm-hmm. Weekly because of a friend of ours, Mike Strawn, was a production designer. And he called up Chad and said, you guys, are, I'm trying to help you get guests, but you got to change that fucking title. Right? Yeah. 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 Because we were trying to get movie people, like set designers and production people. And they're like, well, I'm not a comedian. I don't want to do the show. I don't want to, it's not, I'm not funny. I'm not, that's, and I don't want them to make fun of me. And that, so we were like, yeah, okay. And we still couldn't come up with a name. And then our producer, like one day in the basement, our former producer said, well, what about Bonehead Weekly? And then, you know, the, the light shined down from the heavens. We're like, oh my God. Mm, it works. Well, speaking of um, speaking of set designers, I want to know like your show uh, in its original basement format is more or lo- more or less a, a layman's version of Wayne's World. Let's face it. <laughs> so, which which one are which one are you? Uh, who's Wayne? Who's Garth? And who's Cassandra? I never thought of it, but yeah, I'm Cassandra. If anybody's got the yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's got the tits, it's me. Is what he wants to say. I'm obviously not good. I can't be either because I don't have the hair, but I, I I would probably be more towards Garth and James would be Wayne because he's the more intelligent one. That's a sad standard that we've established. Now, I know you want to say something there, Joe, but before you do, um, do you reckon they should make Wayne's World 3? No, absolutely not. But I didn't know that we needed another Bill and Ted, so we I'm do. not going to be a popular person. We needed another Bill and Ted. I, I, we need another Bill and Ted. I saw the full trailer. Oh, yeah. The most recent trailer for that looks amazing. By the way, I, I love the fact that family comes through in that trailer when they're in hell and they're like, well, how are you doing? Well, we're in hell, but well, no, how are you doing? <laughs> I love that scene. I was like, no, I'm sold. I'll be there. 
So, Joe, you were trying to get something out a minute ago. It wasn't important. And you don't want him to get anything out. But, oh, yeah, I will. Uh, really quick, you guys mind me telling what Mick, what Mick had a great suggestion after we'd changed everything. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, great, weekly. Only you'll spell it W-E-A-K-L-Y. I was like, well, fuck, we already changed it to weekly. We didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> we did all the registration forms now. So you guys host panels at conventions, right? How did you score that? I tell you, I get a, I do a, and I, I mean, no disrespect to the other two, but I do it a little bit more than the other two. It's, um, it's hard to explain. It's one of those things where. And Joe froze. He froze. He's never looked. <laughs> Fascinating. There's letters that would never work for you. Does that make sense? How do you get into it? Would you say? Absolutely makes sense. <laughs> Fuck you, Chad. The short story is, is Scarefest was owned by a lady before the Griffiths. And we knew each other at passing, but she was trying to get someone to moderate panels. They didn't do it before. And then instead of me knowing her and her asking, a guy I taught in class, in a community college class, 10 years before that, or many, many years before that, said, was doing IT work for her and goes, you know, there's a guy. And I work with his wife, and you probably should talk to him. And that's how it happened. And it just who oh, shit, I hit the mic. It just who are of, some guests that you have hosted panels for? Oh man, uh, George Romero, Greg Grumberg. Oh, what's the chick from? <laughs> I'm terrible. I am absolutely terrible with names. Some of the bigger ones have been the Doctor Who's, like Billy Piper and. What's her name from Guardians of the Galaxy? And <laughs> but she's never know. going to do our show now because you referred to her. As- <laughs> but he's also did- no. You know who I'm talking about. Actually, we ended up talking about her horror movies, Oculus, after the panel, and uh, I can never remember her name. Everybody at that room was so Jonathan Frakes. I could just go on and on. You and look on. a bit like Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, Chuck Norris, Lee Majors, Jonah. Yeah, yeah. Lee Major, yeah, but. Uh, Oddly enough, when Frakes did with the panel we did with Frakes, he actually gave some information about Quentin Tarantino's uh, Star Trek, which was going to happen at the time, or it looked like it would happen more. Yeah, and yeah, we ended uh, up uh, on Trek.com, James, or something like that. And I had to reach out to them because they gave credit to everybody but me. <laughs> well, they switched the story though. I said, "Well, thanks, but could you do it?" And they did switch the story, but there's been a ton of them. What's happening, everybody? Guillermo here from ScreenRealm.com. Let's go through a few stories real quickly this week. Stranger Things star Millie Bobby Brown continues to add to her projects at Netflix. Apart from Stranger Things, the upcoming Enola Holmes film and a film called A Time Lost based on an original story she wrote with her sister. Here's the latest. Brown will star in an adaptation of The Girls I've Been, an upcoming YA novel by author Tess Sharp. Brown will be playing a bisexual con artist. The film has been described as a twisty, exhilarating thriller that will have Brown playing Nora, a con artist who must use her powers of persuasion and impersonation to get herself, her girlfriend and her ex-boyfriend free during a hostage situation at a bank. There's a new Mafia series on the way which is interesting enough news but it becomes hugely exciting when you look at the talent behind it. Showtime is currently developing a new mob series that comes from Boardwalk Empire creator and The Sopranos executive producer Terence Winter. Winter also wrote Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Also behind the series is Goodfellas and Casino author slash co-screenwriter Nicholas Pileggi, hopefully I pronounced that right, and big time producer Brian Grazer. The still untitled hour-long drama series is inspired by a detail 
detailed chronology of organized crime in the US, written by Pileggi, with a plot focusing on the mafia's first family. The narrative will encompass the country's history of corruption. The much-talked-about Snyder cut out a spotlight during the Comic-Con online event, and Snyder himself dropped a few interesting comments when asked if anything of the previous cut of Justice League, which was finished by Joss Whedon, would be in the Snyder cut. He said, There would be no chance on earth that I would use a shot that was made prior after I left the movie. I'd destroy the movie, I would set it on fire before I would use a single frame that I did not photograph. He added, I literally would blow that effing thing up if I thought for a second. Anything you see in this movie which reminds you of that other theatrical release, which famously I have not literally ever seen, would be because that was a thing I had done and he borrowed it for whatever that monster that you guys saw in the theater. Combine those comments and the fact that Whedon has been coming under fire of late for allegedly bad behavior on the set of Justice League and it's very easy to read into some bad blood with those Snyder comments. Amy Adams has signed up to star in an interesting sounding film called Night Bitch. Adams will also be producing the film which will have her playing a former artist who's thrust into stay-at-home domesticity after the birth of her son. And wait for it, she becomes increasingly worried and convinced that she may be turning into a dog. That about does it for me guys, an extra quick one this week. Be sure to jump on ScreenRealm.com for the latest movie, TV news, trailers, reviews, all that jazz. Thanks for having me, I'm out. Well, do you guys want to play a game of rapid fire? This is something we do on the show from time to time where I just shoot really random questions at you. Yeah, it's Brandon it's Brand- and it is Brandon Lee's best movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he never made The Crow. Well, the crow killed his uh, career. Uh, Too soon? What's the um, showdown in Little Tokyo? I think that's his best one. Oh, showdown in Little Tokyo is good. Really? All right, so I'm going to throw you around the questions. I'll say your name first, and then you just answer. So, Joe, Transformers or Voltron? Transformers, but I hate the movies. <laughs> Chad, why haven't they made Under Siege 3? Because <laughs> nobody wants to see <laughs> Steven Seagal anymore. If, if, if they could somehow find a way to resurrect Tommy Lee Jones' character... Or Erica Linea Express. So I remembered her name. <laughs> so James, Caravan of Courage or Battle for Endor? Oh, Battle for Endor. Yeah, hands down. Joe, what's the first movie you remember seeing? In the theater or all together or what? All together. All together. Uh, Porky's at a drive-in in 1982. I would have been four years old. I can remember Porky's, the shower scene. My parents had me in the back. Have you read my script? Because, Chad, what's the better double feature? Porky's 1 and 2 or Porky's 1 and 3? Porky's 1 and 2. I got to hear the answer because I haven't seen 2. Or I don't remember I don't remember three. 3, so that's why I'm saying Porky's 1 and 2. And by the way, and to, to jump in on my, my previous question, they did make Under Siege Part 3. It's called Executive Decision. Lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> I agree that was... <laughs> was it worth going back for no because i was sitting here going well he did no. a train he did a boat so he has to do a plane i'm like oh he already did a plane i'm shutting up <laughs> that he got sucked out of 20 and minutes that's the into best it. way for his steven seagal movies to go <laughs> uh james chip packets in the cinema thoughts uh they're very crinkly yeah i don't think we need that there's uh, i actually don't think other people besides me should be allowed in the cinema that's a good point. Uh, a, a former host of mine on the show used to say the only thing you should have in a cinema to eat are marshmallows in a pillow sack. <laughs> Which, oddly enough, is how I eat my marshmallows. <laughs> Who knew? So, Joe, what's with yeah. Warlock 3? I don't have an answer for that shit. <laughs> I will tell you a story. Julian Sands, I did his mm-hmm. panel two years ago. And Julian Sands, at the end of the panel, started reciting uh, it was poetry. Or was it it's Shakespeare? Poetry, I'm not Chad? mistaken. It was Shakespeare. It was sonnets, right? 
it no, nah, I can't remember. And it was ten people showed up for that panel, which was a fucking travesty to begin with. And it was like a master's class. And he was the nicest, sweetest gentleman, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he's just that's a thespian. Sorry. So Chad, what's your favorite trauma movie? Trauma? Oh man. Um I'm gonna say Toxic Avenger. Um it's it's the staple. I, I you can't go wrong with Toxic Avenger. It's the one they recycle all the, the footage for, right? <laughs> the car flip. The car flip. Yeah, the car flip. <laughs> but if, if for fun, Sergeant Kabuki Man. Yeah. James, if you had to recommend one time travel movie to me, what would it be? Oh, Jesus. Back to the Future. You didn't even have to think about I mean, that. No, no. It is, it is literally the... I mean, I could, I could throw out Star Trek Four, but in all honesty, fun back time travel... There's just something about a movie that has a, a guy almost sleeping with his mother that just says, watch this. Film. I wish I'd have got that one. Well, you're welcome, welcome to take it. I can edit. I, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Listen, Joe. Time after time or time cop. <laughs> that should oh, time be your double time. feature. Time after, time after Sadly, time. Sadly, I, bo- I knew what both of their responses was going to be. <laughs> what about time cop two? I've never seen it. It's not worth it. <laughs> but Time Cop takes place on my birthday, so that's cool. Really? I don't remember. Like you should. Well, well done, guys. You definitely qualify. And uh, moving on, another question for all of you: If you could go back in time and just watch one film for the first time in a cinema, what movie would it be? Ooh. Just have that feeling of seeing it for the first time with an audience. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and go. Um, mine would be honestly. <clears throat> Um, this is a two part. This is a two part for me. One, um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, for me, it's one of my favorite movies. I actually did not get to see it in the theater. I would have loved to have gone in the theater and saw it for the first time. Just, just this movie came. This movie came out. I did. Boom. Now, I if did I could too. relive my childhood, the first movie I would see again is Dick Tracy because I actually got to go to like a secret premiere of that, and they had like a there was just like this audience who got all these special things. I got like a big pin and a treat bag and a t shirt phenomenal it was one of the best memories yeah, of my you're like obsessed with that movie the way i'm obsessed with caddyshack 2 <laughs> but caddyshack 2 is underrated i yes, actually agree with excellent. you on that I, people shit on it a little too much i agree with you all, all good of you. it's not a perfect film and it's, hey. it's problem is is it's called caddyshack 2 it's, it's a perfect film do you think jackie mason brings it down no no it was the hoss yeah, no, no. Uh, Jackie I, Mason's fantastic. How do you replace Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> the only bad performance is Dan Aykroyd, actually. Yeah. Not besmirch the name of Dan Aykroyd in front of me. We've had this conversation. <laughs> I know we're getting off topic. Oh, the answer to your question, mine, really quick, is I think as a biggest Star Wars fan, it would have been great to have seen Empire in the theater and find out about that about him being Luke's dad. I was anticipating yeah. that to be I the answer. I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a 19 because the first film I saw in a, in a legitimate theater was Ghostbusters. And every time Ghostbusters plays in the theater, I, I messaged you and I was being sarcastic kind of, but I do go see it. And I, uh, yeah. Empire probably. I, I don't know, man. I, it's hard. Evil Dead 2 to Citizen Kane. I love them all. Well, back to some bonehead. Tell us more about your early years. Who was your first guest? Uh, first guest overall would have been Ken Bogle. Um, and right. then we follow Ken Bogle up with Mick Strawn. I know who no. Ken Bogle is. Tell our, tell our listeners our next who Ken Bogle is. Mick is not our second guest. It's Kane. Kane Hodder. Kane, you're right. Kane Hodder. I skipped Kane. Kane Hodder. We shot Kane Hodder that 
that Thursday before we shot Mick that Sunday. I, well, yeah, yeah Sunday. Right. We got three episodes out of that one weekend. And it, and it wasn't just Kane. Technically, it was Kane, uh, Derek Herbert, and I'm forgetting the other gentleman. I forgot I'm the producer's name of the To Hell and Back, the Kane Hodder uh, documentary. We we had, did an episode with the. It was a it, one episode basically with Kane and the producer and director. What are you going to? Uh, it was a quick about? answer, and you all turned it into a five minutes news fest. <laughs> well, because no, I was not trying to be accurate. I'm sorry. I got to follow up with what was that master joke he did earlier? The one that he went back to twice. Does anybody oh, remember? Chad. Are you talking about Chad? Chad, yeah. He said master in comparison to Chad, and I lost it. I don't know. What yeah, that's true. Um, but the Ken Bogle, you back asked. Ken, uh, Bogle. So Ken Bogle um, had worked with Scarefest for some time uh, and was notable for doing tarot card readings and a lot of uh, other things and, and some uh, connections to some paranormal things. He has since retired and has taken up painting. Uh, and if you if you're interested, check out his. He's on Twitter. He occasionally pay, posts his art. I don't know. I think it's unfair that he's talented <laughs> to where he can be. I'll just paint now. And it's, I look at his paintings and be like, I'm a talentless hack compared to that. I still, I still, and he, if he's listening to this, I'm still calling bullshit that it's not paint by numbers. It looks too good. <laughs> Even if it's I paint by numbers, have you ever it. done a paint by number, Joe? Can you paint I by number that well? I don't have any That's artistic. I mean. Do you know the hardest part? If it's paint by numbers, the hardest number, part about killing. painting by numbers is actually covering the number. <laughs> Probably. Well, yeah, and yeah, for, for, for amazing. Ken Boggle's a national treasure. We actually did his birthday party. He wanted a roast, and the Boneheads went down with a few others and roasted him. And actually, Chad, Chad beat us that night. Chad did a really good job. Yeah, I'm so glad I went before Chad. I never thought I'd say that, but I was like, oh, please, because I want to want to follow Chad because people are rolling. I got a couple laughs, and Chad killed them. <laughs> Yeah. So you guys used to have a producer. What's what would you say is one of the fundamental points of difference to or changes since having one? So being with one and then being without one, what's the big difference? More work for me. Or I was gonna say, Joe does more work. Uh, the organization she had um, a lot more planning. Like she wanted to do promos and stuff. We gave that up pretty quickly. <laughs> we don't unless it's a major major guest. Like we did a promo for um, Hirsch. Uh, Paul Hirsch, uh, right? Um, editor of Star Wars. We did a promo for him because he edited Star Wars and has has an Academy Award. We'll give the, give him a promo, but we stopped doing a lot of the promos and things like that simply because there's less of us, and we can go ahead and you know our next thing is okay. We got this guest, let's find another one. So we're not doing as many of the promos and stuff. But Joe, you want to? Haley was a Haley concentrated a lot on the video part of it. And back to our kind of our godfather, Mick Strawn, Mick was like, you need to really concentrate on the audio part of it. And I wanted to do both. James wanted to do both. Chad leaned towards just wanting to do audio. So what we did, the first thing we did was throw out multiple cameras and editing all that shit together for YouTube and just doing one static shot. Because I don't think anybody was missing having editing while they're listening to us at their desk yeah. on yeah, YouTube. Right. So that was the first thing that we threw out. And then made the job a lot face. easier. But it was a, oof, I don't know, I was a month catching up trying to get it right. And I have a degree in broadcasting, but I really hadn't done anything technical except for our short films in a long time. So it was a lot of catching up. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I, I produced um, this show. And then, as you know now, I do Scarefest Radio which has a producer and yeah, there's definitely a lot less work when you've got somebody sort of carrying the weight. It w- 
I, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, there's just, so the pro is a lot less work uh, turning it over. I would much prefer just to show up and do my dog and pony show and mm. walk out, even though it was always at my house. But you get you you understand what I'm saying. Now, the positive thing to that is there's one less voice in the room. True. So instead of arguing with two other folks, you have to argue with three other folks because you have a producer. And by the way, I, I give Haley all the credit in the world because I don't know that Bonehead would have started without her. We really needed that, especially for a few episodes. So you could say that she kind of produced the show till we basically got her training wheels and learned how to go yeah. on her own. Don't you think that's right, gentlemen? Or- yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and to be honest, it hasn't changed much for me. I, I miss uh, I miss Haley in some ways with her voice and things like that. But really, my job hasn't changed because I don't edit. I don't. Uh, I show up. I talk and. Uh, I don't get paid. It's all the same to me. It's I, Glenn, so. Do you like? Do you like producing? I love the show? it because I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like to have that control. But at the same time, like my workload is huge because, as well as the show, which you know I practically work on every night of the week, but I also produce the videos that we put up every week. I produce you know various other content that's related to it. So yeah, like yeah. it's just a lot of work. And now I've added the other show for Scarefest on top of all that, so it's a lot of stuff. Plus a day job. One of the best things that happened, one of the good things with COVID is that, or actually when James moved out of town was that we could go almost primarily to Zoom. So it makes everything so much easier on the back end. For me, it's really easy just kind of throw one up and put the music and everything at the front of it and at the end of it and just kind of be done with it. So it did make my job a little easier, but you're right. It's, it's something every night because last night I was putting together, or the other day I was putting together the fun size ones those are six, seven, eight minutes, depending on, depending on, and you wanted them cut down yep. to that, to that limit. So you have to go through that. That take, It's just an hour or two here or there. And it takes, it takes up a lot of time by the time you realize how much. I'm really struggling with the Zoom thing because we've had to obviously down here with our restrictions, go to Zoom and I can't have anybody on the desk with me. And that's, that's a massive disconnect for me. Like for interviews like this, not a problem. But when I've got my co-host somewhere else, you know, not here, I can't have that banter and that interaction yeah but, you know yeah i think i miss us being on the couch yeah i love you guys on the couch love the, love the videos hey guys it is adam here from adam's just seen with another good movie monday recommendation uh my tagline is adam five star ross going forward on the show and guess what this movie is getting five stars so what am i endorsing this week i am endorsing Coal Mountain, <laughs> a movie that maybe, look, some people might not like this movie as much as I do, but they can go and screw themselves because this is the kind of movie that they just don't make anymore. It is epic, it is intimate, it is sprawling, it is episodic, it has every goddamn actor that's ever drawn breath in its production. You've got everyone from Killian Murphy to Natalie Portman to Philip Seymour Hoffman, it just keeps going. But centering on Jude Law in an incredible performance, which is, you know, wildly kind of introverted as Inman, a, uh, a poor, poor fellow who gets on the wrong side of war and then has to trek his way back home to his newfound love, played by Nicole Kidman, in the titular Cold Mountain. Now, this movie is gorgeous. Anthony Minghella here is going for a big, sweeping, epic, romantic tale, and we just... As I said before, we just don't get these movies anymore. It is good. There are echoes here of things of like Gangs of New York, things where, you know, if we could build it, we will. If we can make this epic, we will. Uh, you know, and it's also, Minghella's doing something very interesting here where he's being very earnest. 
you know, I mean, Renee Zellweger won an Oscar for this film, and that's why I'm doing this silly accent, because she talks like that in this movie. But, you know, the movie's going for it, it's swinging for it, and the accumulative effect of all of this, to me, is constantly overwhelming. I feel like in the best possible way that I've been transported, and it feels like a novel. So it is currently on stand. It goes for about two and three quarters hours, so it's long, so strap in. But, I mean, it is, yeah, it's got everything. It's got everything that you could possibly want. And some bad accents, maybe, that that's what I'm kind of mocking. But, yeah, so five stars from me. Cold Mountain, if it slipped through your fingers beforehand, go back and check it out on stand. Enjoy. I've got a question about the basement. Question about the basement because I was I was taking the piss before when I said it was like Wayne's World because I like the guy you guys on the basement format, but James, it's in a basement. Yeah. What's with the sunglasses? I this I, I I actually did. Dad and I are laughing because we've heard that, that question um, for twenty fucking years. <laughs> it has nothing I, to do with I, the basement. I normally actually no, I, I wear my shades a lot. Uh, there's actually I do have some actual reasons for it, but also it's just because it makes me look cool. No, it's not true. Uh, no, my eyes actually bother me, uh, especially if there's glare and light, like where I'm getting glare, you can see it on my thing. It it, it bothers me, and uh, I I actually don't handle light well. Uh, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm a basement dweller, but I, <laughs> I really should be in a cave somewhere. Uh, so that's why I wear the shades. You are the Bono of this pop group. No. Uh, well, now here's the question. If I'm Bono, which one of these guys is the edge? Well, that has to be Chad because he's got no hair. <laughs> yeah, but I no when uh when uh when we when we were first starting out and James missed a couple episodes, I tried just as as a as a gag to wear sunglasses on the show while he wasn't there in, in honor of him. I got a fucking headache. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's all that coming. <laughs> See, I, I get a headache without it. Uh now that be, be real quick, I just want to say out loud the reason that I occasionally miss shows, I think I should be out, out in the open about this, is because uh, I've injured my back. The reason I've injured my back is I get tired of carrying the show. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, you guys are unapologetic fans of Monty Python. I think that's well established. Who do you think is the MVP of the Python troupe? I, I, I can tell you who the unsung hero is. I bet James has the same one. I, my my go-to is always, and it's the same thing. Uh, I, I, I will compare this also to the reason I always say Dan Aykroyd. I always uh, cheer on Eric Idle because I think he I has he kept. Say, I, I bet Chad knew he was going to say Idle too. He, well, he's kept the marketing going. I mean, say what you will. And, and yeah, he it really is. He's one of the unsung heroes. I really think he's so. quite shameless though. Well, I, but he is. But, but I love that. I think that's why it's really funny because I, I, despite all the jokes I make, I have pretty low self-esteem. But I'm always like, oh, that guy's hilarious because he doesn't, or at least. Can you imagine, though, that maybe Michael Palin would ever show up in Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure? Eric no, Idle did. Because he'd be doing one of those fucking travel shows being nice to somebody <laughs> for a year. <laughs> I've read every one of his books. Um, you know who the... To me, it, it's Terry G. It's Terry Gilliam. Because... Yeah. And, and I think he get, doesn't get enough credit. And it's not because I always want to be a director and he's a director. The reason I think it is is because... Those shows, the abrupt endings, the no, just, oh, well, the sketch is done, it's done, do not work without that connecting fabric of his animation. 
in the visual. I can't, and and that, would, that would have been my answer to a whole other level. I don't think Python's Python without. I mean, clearly they need all of them. Well, they didn't. They did the O2 without one of them, right? <laughs> but I, I, to me, it's Terry G. Yeah, I'll pay that. We're, we're doing a Python, uh, a post-Python movie episode coming up where we're going to talk about all of those movies that came after Monty Python that could qualify as Monty Python, stuff like Jabberwocky and Yellowbeard and Eric the Viking. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best post-Python film? I'll, t- I'll, I'll jump in on this one. So, man, um, I, I want to say that Yellowbeard is not a great movie. But there are scenes in that movie where I am on the floor laughing, just on the floor, Graham Chapman's delivery. But honestly, if I had to pick one, it would be Eric the Viking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you throw time bandits in that too? Oh, well, then then, uh, then hold on. What about a fish named Wanda? No. Well, maybe. I mean, I only I threw you like three examples, but there's so we're having a whole show. And I'm going to I'm going to wipe away my, my my answer and say the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, it's good. So I thought that's yeah. what Chad would say would be Munchausen because that's one of Chad's one of my favorite. I didn't know movies. we were counting that, but if I we're think, counting well, that, I mean, how do you count the connection? Because it, does it have at least two pythons in it? If so, yeah, it's. Kind of, I mean, you could even say Wind in the Willows. Like it's got to have that maybe two. Yeah, maybe three point connection then, then hands down it's munchausen one of my favorite films yeah, right. of all time yeah I, to me i'm, I'm torn one. between time bandits and munchausen i gotta admit because i both of them and, and there's they're vastly different films but i'm always you know yeah yeah I'm i think torn. eric the viking feels the most like a python film though the, almost like it so was written because whilst Terry Jones. Yeah. yeah i just i don't know if you give me a fish called wanda i'm always going to have to say fish called wanda because Not it's one of my creatures. favorite comedies of all time. <laughs> hey, I, we love fish. Would you say we love fierce creatures? Yeah, I actually think fierce creatures is one of those that's underrated, and that's another one that got shit on way too much. And by John Cleese, shits on it too. And I'm like, why are you shitting on fierce creatures? We love hey, it. Directed directed by an Aussie. Yeah, Fred Skipsy. Yeah, I, I just don't know why he shits on. You guys know Python. Do you guys know the goodies? Heard that? Why have I heard that? No, I don't think so. Okay, so what you want to do after we talk is hit hit Google and look up the goodies. Uh, they are very Python esque, and they were <clears throat> three guys that started at university with the Python troupe. And when they left university, they went separate ways. And these three guys created a show called The Goodies. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Very Python esque, but much more family orientated. And then you've got the Python guys. But the Goodies, look it up. Every episode, an absolute banger. One of those is Tim Brooke Taylor, right? Because who, yeah, who passed away about a month yeah, ago? Yeah, and and it was also right. part of you if you like Monty Python, the Four Yorkshiremen skit uh, in that last the nineteen forty eight show, which was a precursor of Python, which had Cleese, um, yep. oh shoot, Marty Feldman and Tim Brooke Taylor. They are three of the Four yep. Yorkshiremen in the original version of the sketch. I love that. So yeah, Tim Brooke it, Taylor. Yeah, is that what is the comedian's name that basically a lot of people say Python ripped off or at least took it to the next level? And depending on after Python blew up, he would either give you the one answer, oh, the boys are doing well, or they ripped off my whole fucking act. What is his name? Uh, was it Spike Milligan? It might be Spike Milligan. I think it is Spike Milligan. He's He was, you know, in very absurdist humor, sketches would just end, or he'd look at the camera and go, this is the doctor's sketch. And yeah, then kind of go I, into I it. think it was him. He um He's fantastic. The epitaph on yeah. his gravestone says, I told you I was sick. 
That's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. All oh, right. So before we wrap this fantastic. up, um, for people that have not listened to your show, where would you recommend they start? Is there a particular episode they should go to first? Yeah, it depends I, on what they're That's into. one of the things that we're always shocked by is what people not episode one. What people identify with. Because one of the episodes that I went to go back and I think was really cool is we did an entire episode about why ghosts are jerks. Like when you look at ghosts, why are they always... Like, Isn't that episode two? It is. It's episode, and I was like, that's a very yes. interesting topic of conversation, I think, because outside of a certain friendly ghost, we don't have a lot of movies where it's just ghosts. Like, hey, let me help you make tea or something. They're all jerks. And I was like, that's interesting. That episode has done okay, but not a ton. What did ever? What's our number one episode, guys? Sleuth. It depends on if it's YouTube or what'd you say? Private, private detectives, detectives on YouTube. I, and I, to me, that's. I mean, I, I love private detective films. I'm glad we did the episode. But it's not the number one on the audio. What's the number one on the audio? What's the number one on the podcast version? Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I tried I, I'd audio. Have to look it up. But it's not. It's not private. It's two different. That cracks me up. I don't understand why there's two different number one. Because episodes. and there's nothing. <laughs> really visual about the private detective episode but it is our number one you on youtube and i love private detective films but i don't know why uh, okay glenn i'll answer your question because they're not going to so uh <laughs> if we're going to recommend if we're going to recommend one um i recommend the the cars episodes that we did cars and tvs and cars and movies those are some those are those are some pretty good episodes and then also if you want to talk about a guest episode man i think we uh bart mixon or see Courtney Joyner were, were a couple of our our, our um, rec- interviews that I would recommend. Yeah, and it really depends on That's the anything issue. with and anything with Mick Strawn because Mick Strawn's. Well, I was gonna say it really depends on what you're into. Like if you're into horror films, obviously you want to hear from a horror guest. Um, we just did the puppet uh, Philip Huber. Uh, we had him as a guest. If you like Muppets and puppetry, obviously you start there. So it depends on what you're into. So, in other words, to answer my question, my my listeners should just spin a bottle. Well, I was gonna say what they should do is ta- is well, go on uh, 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 Twitter and tag Joe and have him answer. Uh, they can say. And just so you know, questions. that is uh, that is www. I have a stutter. Thank you, Jad. Oh, back to your question, if I can give you a short, I have a hard time with that because I don't, I don't particularly go back and listen to them. I enjoy most of them. There's some of them that I probably didn't enjoy as much as I do others, but there, a lot of the interviews are some of my favorites. And I, I, I just have to go back. I want to go back one of these days and start from the beginning once this is all said and done and then go through them. But I, I get now why people ask, what, what, can you tell me about that episode that you were on and blah, blah, blah. And I go, I don't know. Fuck, I have no clue. I don't remember. So it, I really want to yeah. know what they're into. Okay. Well, obviously the correct answer, the correct answer is Glenn from Fake Shemp. That episode is a belter and everyone should start there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been yeah. smart yeah, we, if we, I would have just said that one. We, and Chad's right though. Courtney Joyner, Courtney Joyner and Bill Malone and Peter Von Schale are three of my favorites. I think Bill Malone tells a fantastic story about his dad, him seeing the Beatles, William Malone, the director of House on Haunted Hill, and it all happening in one night and everything that went wrong. That has absolutely nothing to do with movies. While but a it's strip a club burns. Yeah, story. this is all, it, it was a great story. While a strip club burns with him, with his dad and his mom. It is a fantastic story. He ended up getting arrested. 
check Let's, that out. Well, guys, we are we are shit out of time, but thank you not only for spending time with me here today, but thanks for creating a bunch of uh, fun size episodes for us. We're having a great time listening to those. No, actually, I had a blast doing those. I think we all three had a blast doing it. Joe, Chad, and James, you guys are the stuff of Kentucky legends as far as we can see it. And again, thanks for being part of this humble Aussie debacle. Um, we love having you on board, and we're going to have to do this again. Sounds great. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm back. Did I? Uh, did I miss anything? I just, uh, <laughs> I just did some. I did some of my own dirty work just then. <laughs> I think you might have been gone longer than you thought. That's that's very possible. I do. <laughs> I, I always admired that character Shitbreak in uh, American Pie because who wouldn't go home to ta- like who wants to go to who wants to take a shit in a public in a no. <laughs> well, no. don't stress it, dude. I carried it like a pro. Excellent. <laughs> so did so did I, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so here's the part where we recommend movies for everybody to watch. Um, some feedback last week from Black Belt, uh, had a couple of people message me and they're keen to track it down. Oh, Red uh, Belt. What did I say? Black Belt. Well, well. Which is better, right. technically. <laughs> well, I always anyway. Wondered, I actually wondered why it wasn't called Black Belt. Like, why, know, this like guy's Red not Belt as good as he could be. That's the problem, <laughs> right, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people have been keen to track it down. Look, it is available to rent or buy on Google Play. Uh, YouTube and Apple TV. It's not on any streaming platform, though. I think you can buy it from zavi.com.au. Uh, you can get the UK import Blu-ray if you uh, want Excellent. physical. And actually, the same goes for Hard Times. Um, it did have a physical release on um, through Umbrella at one point in time, but now it's available on those same platforms. Ah, excellent. Well worth the All effort. Right. So this week, I am going to go for a much different type of movie. Uh I have this poster hanging in my office. I think it's one of the greatest coming-of-age movies of all time. Probably one of the most mischaracterized films of all time. It's the 1979 Meatballs. Ha-ha! <laughs> and this one was directed by Ivan Reitman. It was the first time he and Harold Ramis and Bill Murray collaborated. Uh, it's also the, I would say, the godfather of summer camp movies. And just really quick, the premise of this one if you don't know, uh, a lonely kid is shipped away to summer camp by his parents in hopes that he would make some friends. He struggles c- to connect with everyone. Um, and then with the help of a larrikin counselor named Tripper, which is Bill Murray, the kid eventually finds his place and his personal journey sort of culminates at the end of the camp with the typical end of game and end of camp games, uh, which is a motive that every bloody summer camp movie uses these days. Um, the reason I said this one is mischaracterized is because I think a lot of people, I think there's a reputation for this one being a screwball sex comedy, and there is none of that in there. Isn't there? I thought there was, I thought there's, there still is some kind of, you know, camp counselor shenanigans going yeah, on in Meatballs. You don't, you don't it's see not, much at all. It's a no, PG it's, movie. it's like a PG one. Yeah, it's not like, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, like Splits not, or. Yeah, Screwballs um, or any of those. Any of those kind of, Yeah. <laughs> Screw, screw, screw balls, screw loose, screw balls academy. I just reckon, I reckon it's just one of the the best coming of age films around because it does have a very sort of subtle underlying drama going right through the whole lot of it, you know, and this kid's story and it's assisted by heavy handed music at best, but the music itself kind of tells this kid's story because when he's sad, the music's sad, (laughs) you know, it's something now we'd say, oh, that's really contrived. But I think at the time it's, you know, it really, it hit a, hit a spot. 
Certainly one of my favourites. Isn't it also the first the first uh, Bill Murray movie? I think it's his first. Yeah, it's, it's his, his first, first starring film. role. Oh, because yeah. he was in. He was in that. Um, what was the? Oh no, he was in like one of those sketch comedy ones, the, the Groove Chair. Oh, uh, like Groove Chair or like Loose Shoes or yeah, one of those. Um, but this would have ones. been his first starring role for sure, right? Because I remember reading that Caddyshack book, and they talk about him like coming yeah. off that set to go and do Caddyshack. Yes, like, well, yeah. w- within the space of like two or three years, the amount of movies that all three of those guys made was just you know, incredible. It's yeah. like a prolific time for comedy. But the reason I chose Meatballs is because Mad Men Entertainment are re-releasing it on DVD next month um, in sort of a special edition, I guess. Are they doing uh, a box set? Because for me, Meatballs doesn't come into its own until Corey Feldman uh, appears. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got a real soft spot for part two. That's a weird movie. It's got an alien in it. <laughs> it's a it's a classic of the genre. And look, Meatballs Three too is really weird. Like that's the one with Patrick Dempsey, which is actually a direct sequel to the first one because it's the same character, right? Who's now working on the docks at like you know the marina during yeah. the summer, and he's visited by a dead porn star who has been <laughs> sent back to Earth. It's a Wonderful Lifestyle to make sure this kid gets laid. <laughs> And it's it's one of those eighties movies where like there's a there's a really rank kind of rape culture going on that's just sort of overlooked, you know, because he's a horny boy. It's all it's all okay. It's all okay. Like why why are why aren't they releasing this as a like a box set like they did with Porky's and Police Academy? They bloody well should, mate. They should all of it. The, like these and all the screw the screwballs movies should all come out in a box well, set think, as well. And the lemon popsicle movies. <laughs> the fourth meatballs though was that's got a different title. They just retrofitted the title to fit it into a franchise i think it was called like last resort or something like that yeah 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 and there's a lot of that's the there's a lot of jet skiing in that one and water Heaps skiing of, it's all jet skiing mate yeah yeah that's the competition between them and the, the snotty other camp right yeah it's, it's like it's, it's, it's a like, jet sea uh, it's a water it's, water sports like two two whole acts of the movie yeah yeah <laughs> anyway what's yours uh my my film this week is I, I just recently rewatched it. It's, it was one of my all-time favorite films. It's a detective film uh, called Harper. Have you uh, Harper? It stars Paul Newman. Uh, it was the first detective movie, pr- private detective movie he ever made. Uh, it was it's William Goldman's uh, first script. Yep. Uh, and it, it it was directed by someone who, as far as I know, I, I don't I, I don't believe I've seen anything else he's ever directed. This guy Jack Smite. But um, it also stars um, uh, Lauren Bacall, Julie Harris, Janet Lee plays uh, his kind of soon-to-be uh, ex-wife, uh, <laughs> Pamela Tiffin from um, some of the best Elvis movies uh, <laughs> uh, pops up, Robert Wagner, Strother Martin again uh, turns up, Shelley Winters plays like a uh, an aging starlet. And basically, like, he's a, he's a private detective who's been hired by – Lauren Bacall to find her wayward uh, millionaire husband right. who's gone missing. And though she doesn't really like him, when he gets drunk and disappears, he tends to give things away. And she's all she's really trying to do is outlive him so she can get all of his money. <laughs> and so she doesn't want him giving anything away. Um, well, I've not seen this one, so that sounds something like I should put it on my is, list. It is, it is one of the coolest films ever made. Like, it's really good. Um, it's based on, on those Ross McDonald uh, novels. The first, this is based on the first one, The Moving Target. Um, but they had to change the name uh, of the character because uh, 
they paid for the rights for the book but not the character or some nonsense like that. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah, yeah. they had to change it around or whatever. But um, and there was there is a sequel to it uh, that came out many years later called The Drowning Pool, which I believe was the film where Don Johnson and Melanie Griffiths met, and he was oh. like in his twenties and she was in her early teens. Mm, wow. Well. There is a reason why they get you to prep all the questions at Trivia Nights, mate. <laughs> no, I just I I ask questions that not even I can answer without the internet. <laughs> anyway, well, that is the end of the show, folks. Uh, but before we run, just letting you know that we're going to put a halt on the giveaways for a little while while I try to catch up on previous winners. Uh, so there are the last few yet to receive their prizes, and, and that's on me. That's my bad. But rest assured, I'm on it, and we'll start giving away more stuff real soon. Thanks for another Ripper episode, Ben. Hope it was a good shit. It certainly, it certainly was. <laughs> and a tip of the hat to Jarrett, Gamo, and Adam for their reliable weekly contributions. And a huge thank you to the Bonehead Weekly guys. Uh, they filled in for you, Ben, while you were off away on business. I was while I was taking care of business, James Belushi style. <laughs> so I'm just I'm to... glad it was James Belushi style and not Elvis Presley style. <laughs> yes. it, was a, it was a close call. So thanks to Joe, Chad, and James. We hope you enjoyed the conversation, and of course they'll be back next week with their fun size segment. And thanks to you, our loyal listeners. If not for you, there's no point doing this show. So once again, thanks for downloading. Please share us with your friends. And if you include the hashtag FakeShempPodcast or the hashtag GoodMovieMonday, then people will be able to find us without going to too much effort. Uh, so to take us out, here's a song called American Girls by Homie from Meet the Deedles. And if the singer's voice sounds familiar, that would be because Homie was the one-off side project from Weezer frontman Rivers Kumo. Is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. Have a great week, everyone. Behave yourself, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Good Movie Monday. Darling, I'm afraid to close my eyes when I'm going to bed. Afraid you crack the phone down over my head. Why are all American girls so rough? Damn, the girl can't ever hurt you enough. Lady, lady, knock me on my knees and I can't stand up. You got the look in your eye and smack my butt. Why are all American girls so rough? Why do all American girls act so tough? Why are all American girls so rough? Darling, I'm afraid to close my eyes when I'm going to bed.
America.